Okay, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. So, yeah, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Okay. Um, well, I'm Constantine. I'm 24 years old. Uh, last year, I finished my master's in business management, the same as Johan, uh, from the University of Aberdeen. And for the past year, I've been working in Maastricht, uh, Netherlands, for Mercedes as a logistics service representative. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's a quick quick uh, introduction. There's a lot of things we can tackle there, but let's <laughs> let's start with Scotland. So you you and me met in Scotland, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think we met I mean, we, we met in management class, but we also sort of I think we really started hitting it off in surfing, wasn't that correct? Yeah, it was um, we definitely took a lot of classes before to, like we took classes together before we actually knew each other and then just like um, doing the same courses together we got to know each other and then more closely it was definitely the surfing um, like socials and then just meeting each other out on the beach and just like that yeah yeah it was really a good time but can I, may I ask you why Scotland of all places so when I was going to school in um, in Norway they did every year they did a trip out to you know whatever you wanted uh it was like usually it was like a week long and some people went to like italy or some people went to france and it's like all these different subjects had trips that were organized and um one of the 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 management like i think she was a counselor she decided that there was going to be a trip to scotland and um like northern england to look at some universities uh, because it was our final year. So it was good to like go, go and look at universities and see what it would be like and actually having a feel uh, of what uni life would be like. And so we, so I did that trip and we looked at places like St. Andrews, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Sterling, and we did that. And yeah, it was kind of, Aberdeen kind of struck my eye and I, I got in. So why not take the opportunity? Because in Norway, you live on the West Coast in Bergen, right? Was that correct? No, it's the Vanger, but yeah, been to, been to Bergen a couple of times. So I assume... Bergen was a pretty <laughs> good town as well. So I assumed you wanted something similar, like grey weather, a lot of rain. So Scotland <laughs> probably felt more... more yeah, homely I'm, um, yeah, I love the, love the misery. Um, that's why I go. Uh, no, it was, it was, you know... Because I, I had assumed that we'd be living in Stavanger for, for a little while longer. So it was like just a two-hour flight from there. Um, or actually, it was more of an hour, I think. And then if you flew back uh, with the time change, you would actually, it, the flight would only be like 10 minutes or something. So it was super convenient just to fly over. Um, but yeah, uh, plus, you know, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of other options. I I was exploring, so that was uh, definitely the best one. Okay, so you had done four years in Scotland. So tell me, what's your review of those four years? I mean, the country is fantastic. Um, most of the people are too. Uh, then, uh, and I mean, 
just going to university when you're 18 and you know you don't have a lot of like real life experience and then going off on your own to university is it's quite interesting and you get to meet a lot of people and you know you're you're essentially exploring who you who you're going to be and so for me it was a very um you know influential time i mean we touched on the surfing i mean i bet it was for you too um you know all those different things coming together and then you know producing or changing me actually you know hopefully for the better so i would definitely say it was a good time um but yeah, what what about you? What do you are think? We just gonna t- are we just going to make a general brief of the four years or am I going to go into the, the feisty details? No, I mean, personally, I think uh, studying in Scotland is a blast. I think, like you said, I mean, you have the nature. I mean, we literally Aberdeen is literally on the cusp of being in between of both the northern sea and also the highlands or north sea really so you have the ocean yeah. and you have the highlands really yeah. like close by it's gray it's dull but it's awesome yeah yeah it, it just creates like a great sense of camaraderie because everyone's going through the you know the same bad weather or you know the university like assignments and all that stuff so there's there's a good community especially among the students yeah i would say so i mean it, it kind of hardens you to go through like the the bitter weather with like the gray the gray skies the rain the wind it's quite humid so it makes it extra like raw in the winter yeah do you think it's prepared you for swedish uh, winter no not really i think swedish winter is way different i mean we have dry climate here right so so even though it's like minus 15 yeah. on a winter day in sweden i still think that a cold day in aberdeen i mean could be let's say minus five is still way worse because the biting cold and the humidity just goes straight through your clothes basically yeah. Yeah, it's almost, yeah, there's almost no point in, in like trying to stay dry. You're just going to get wet. Very anyway. true. But also, I mean, I guess you can relate. It's so much fun, though. I mean, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tight student community and it's quite liberal. So it's a lot of parties and the parties are great. You, I mean, you rarely see any fighting, whining. I mean, people are quite united doing their own thing. I mean, you go to a yeah. house party, you have a DJ in the living room, you have people smoking weed in the backyard, everyone smiling, hugging. Yeah, that was like sort of my... Yeah, I mean, at least, to, I think at least to the parties we went to, it was uh, always very welcoming. And, um, you know, everyone was just there to unwind and relax. And for such a small city, there is a big, quite a big music scene I, I think so. I mean, you can't really compare it to like Edinburgh or Glasgow because it is only like a fifth of the size or, you know, however small it is compared to those big cities. But for what, for its size, I think it has quite, quite a good like uh, party scene and, as well. Yeah, And also like a lot of the clubs, I mean, they, I mean, they rent out their places to us, right? So we can essentially throw a house party inside a club which is yeah. quite special, yeah. I think. That was, that's, yeah, that's pretty insane. You know, you couldn't do that in London where, you know, one of the biggest clubs in London, you can't really rent that out. 
Um, whereas in Aberdeen, you just, you know, you knew one guy or you knew a couple of people who know the owner. And then yeah, and you promised the owner it. to bring like 200 of your pals. And then it's like, yeah, okay, I take care of the bar. You can take care of the crowd and maybe the music yeah. and let's join forces and try to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember you were DJing yeah. at the surf party, weren't you? Yeah, that was the that was that was a really cool moment. I was super no, nervous before that. I you know, there was like I couldn't even drink a beer or anything. I was just so nervous trying to having to stand up in front of all these people for like two or three hours, and then obviously you know you get there and you you plan it out in your head how you think it's gonna go, and it doesn't. It almost never does. It just you know, there's always going to be like technical difficulties or there's like the people before you go go over or in our case, they were just like, you know, they only did an hour when they were supposed to do like three or something like that. And so you have to like kind of rush in and, uh, you know, think on your feet. But yeah, like, uh, I don't think I would have gotten that opportunity for, you know, in any other city. No, because as I remember it, I mean, you were DJing and the entire club was essentially like a living room, just a big living room with with all your pals but it was in a club environment obviously so it was yeah. essentially like throwing a big house party in a on a club scene yeah no the the, the coolest part of it all was that you knew almost everyone there so it's like it, like you said it is almost like somebody's house party and you just go around knowing everyone uh, but it was in a club, so that was, yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, people doing illegal stuff in the back rooms. I never saw anything. <laughs> I blocked that out. <laughs> so, yeah, but that was the surf club, right? So, yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about surfing. I mean, how did you come across surfing in Scotland, and how was it? I mean, I started when... Um, First, it all began by just, we were looking for something to do, my old, my old roommate and I. And he knew about the surf club and he knew one or two people in there already. And so we just started turning up on, on Wednesdays when they had their, their surf sessions and we just kind of, you know, went weeks and weeks go by. And then we started going in, in like for the socials as well. And that's how you just kind of, became part of the community uh, back then you just started hanging out with everyone and then you got to know them uh but yeah like the beginning of surfing kind of sucked because you were either like really cold or really sore and you had to carry the board like a mile to the beach yeah in your in your wetsuit and it's just yeah it was just one of those things that like we said earlier is just being miserable but then everyone was doing it together so it wasn't wasn't half bad yeah but overall, I loved that experience. It got me to like uh, go to Thurza, which is all the way up north in Scotland, see that landscape, and then you know do a couple of surf trips around like Portugal, um, and then like you know in this like England and other parts in Scotland. So it's it was it's fantastic opportunity to get out and see like different parts of the country and just meet different people. Would you would you agree with that assessment? I would, Johan? but I I think that the misery people felt in the water was probably because that was maybe in the learning phase 
when you went from like being a maybe beginner to intermediate because i really enjoyed surfing in the cold yeah. like i absolutely loved it yeah but did you have to did you have to like i mean i guess you did when like from the clubhouse to the beach that was like the worst part of carrying it like a big board and then having to walk down there by the end your arm was like basically asleep and you're like walking in your boots which aren't like which gave me just you know my feet were wrecked after every single time i walked like all that way so it was like once you were in the water it was absolutely fine you know that's that's the best part of surfing all the other stuff around it is like taking off your wetsuit when it's snowing or raining that isn't that fun i agree with that assessment definitely about the walking part however i strategically <laughs> always had a flat yeah. very close to the beach so i only had to walk for yeah. like maybe 10 minutes tops or bike for yeah three <laughs> so i was a bit strategic yeah. in that sense yeah it was very smart it's those it's those years you have on me uh, that's what makes it you know that's where that's what constantine is saying is that i'm an old man and he's a young he's a young young stud so yeah yeah i do make a lot of mistakes and that's just because I'm young, not because I'm dumb. I think, you know, being, being young and foolish is the way to go, isn't it? Yeah. One yeah, thing absolutely. that struck me about surfing Aberdeen was that we had the beach so accessibly, I mean, close from where most people lived, right? I mean, the students, even the university. But I think, what you, I think obviously, the cold water yeah. probably made a lot of people stay away from the water. Or like from the from the sport per se, but also the fact that they had to walk, and I think only the people that can actually that actually endured, I mean the walking, and the water, I mean they obviously dig they obviously got the gold, whereas a lot of people I felt missed out on an opp a tremendous opportunity, because how many places in the world do you have a surfing beach with very few surfers, even on good days, so close by to where you actually live and breathe and to not take that opportunity just yeah. because yeah whatever reason you had i think is a waste that a lot of people unfortunately don't see i mean i i, I agree because i i know how much fun it can be and so for me even though you had that steep like curve of you know accepting all those all those factors in the end it was definitely worth it because like i said you you meet all these different people and you you go all these different places just because of surfing um it's just one thing that really strengthened that community and like you know strengthened the friendships and relationships with uh, people i have yeah no i agree but I mean, for those of you who don't, who's not familiar with Aberdeen, which I suppose is all of you, <laughs> uh, so Aberdeen had or has a beach, which I guess is maybe a few miles long. But along yeah, that beach, like there's different surf breaks that breaks at different times and different tides. And also, like, I mean, depending on the swell and the wind direction. So you could surf, I mean, during the winter months, I would say like three, four times a week. 
Definitely. I mean, if you've got a few boards as well, like a like a nice little longboard or like a like an eight foot bake or something like a, a foamy, and then maybe like a high performance board, like three boards, and then then you're set. Then you can surf all the way up and down the beach, like you said, depending on where the the swell is coming from. So that's pretty good. And then there's also you know maybe like a like a thirty minute drive, and you're you're completely on the opposite um direction you're facing the exact opposite or like you know um what is it like you're facing north whereas aberdeen is like facing west no east um uh, so it'd be facing east and then you're like in a 30 minute drive you're all the way facing north so you can within like an hour's drive you can you can basically get any swell uh any swell direction which is quite you know it's quite good there's not a lot of places that um I know of that you can where you and can essentially do that. what constantly is talking about is that if a beach is facing east as Aberdeen, it means that the swell yeah. has to come from the east as well. Because the swell has to hit the coastline. Yeah, and the best the best thing would be for those the swell, which means the waves essentially they they need to be per- parallel um you know that would be i one of the best conditions to have it parallel to the beach so having it come from the east yeah uh you don't want like anything mixed in there usually like a westerly swell or like a or like uh no not west like a southerly or northerly swell although so yeah a big north swell could oh, hit i mean aberdeen beach and still wrap around the edge and produce waves as well if it was big enough yeah uh it i mean you know i mean you knew you know better because you you live so close and you you did you know, i mean you checked it out every day for like a couple of months so you know exactly what swells work best but yeah there's a there's tons of opportunity for for Aberdeen and for surfing there. Yeah, I don't think we should. I don't think we need to get too technical here. That was just a little side note. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, surfing is. Uh, I mean, I would say surfing is something that each person should at least have a go at if they have the opportunity. But I want to go away a little bit from surfing now because you live in Netherlands now, don't you? And how would you? Yeah, very far, very far. I guess away if from you water. sort of dug away the UK <laughs> and removed the entire island, I mean, you could ha- get some pretty good waves from the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, you could, or I could just move. I could just move to a place that has waves. Or actually, it's not even the Atlantic that would—that's outside the Netherlands, right? Well, you have the North Sea, and then I don't know what else. Geography is not not my strong. Yeah, I feel I'm a bit off here in terms of the geography. I think it's the North Sea, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely the North Sea. But then, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh well, I, don't know. I mean, this is what what's so great about podcasting. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah, so I mean, what's the big difference then between Netherlands and Scotland? I mean, in your in your eyes. Well, the, there is a 
like the main difference obviously is like language and then you have an hour time change and then you have the difference currency but then there's also more subtle things like i mean the city i live in is extremely clean um it's well taken care of every morning at 7 a.m you hear the street cleaners which is which is you know if you if you saw that in Aberdeen, I think you'd be losing your mind. If you saw street cleaners every morning, you know, cleaning up the street and getting rid of garbage. Uh, so it's just a more, yeah, it just feels, you know, a lot more open. There's lots more bicycles. And, um, and then culturally, I mean, it's really hard to get, you know, become part of a culture within just one year. But I would say they're, they're extremely friendly as well. Uh, I mean, Scottish people are too. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I think that's, those are some of the main differences I can just think of. I think in Aberdeen though, it was impossible to keep that place clean. First off with the wind, the wind just took <laughs> anything in its path. Right. And secondly, I mean, those yeah. giant birds that Aberdeen had. So I mean a lot of people a lot of people call them seagulls. They're not really seagulls. They actually call gulls. Gulls is a much larger version of seagulls. And those yeah. beep, those fuckers are like they're vicious and they just they rip apart trash cans and people's <laughs> faces, people's it was mainly food. It was I've never seen somebody's face get taken off by a, like a seagull, but definitely food it was the best one of the best things you got a seat at the in the library like third or fourth floor by the window and you just watch people come out in out of the library with some food and you could just count like the minutes down and just you you just see them circling above some people and just it just attack them really <laughs> just go after the food it was a, it was fantastic to watch but obviously people didn't really yeah, maybe it. I was exaggerating a little bit about the faces though. But once I was eating a salmon sandwich and I had it in my right hand <laughs> and this giant thing just came down from the sky behind me and the tip of the wing almost touched my face. Uh, I mean, I guess the wingspan was must have been like a, a meter. At yeah, I mean, and I've been I've been scarred for life after the incident. So, yeah, maybe maybe I maybe I'm quite biased in terms of the viciousness of those birds. But yeah, yeah, I never I never got attacked, so I'm I'm still a little bit friendly towards them. Um, I don't want to be talking talking bad behind their backs, and then you know they're gonna they're gonna hear about it and start a vendetta. You can't trust those. Birds. Yeah, you don't. But you don't want. Uh, you don't want uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock's movie. The birds come alive. Don't don't you? <laughs> no, no way. I actually, I've seen the house where they shot it. It's uh, it's really? in California. It's just it's just it just looks like a normal house. <laughs> that's that's my story about birds and Alf. Alf Did you see a lot of bird shit on it? No, but they're close by. There's a a rock called bird rock and a lot of uh what are the black ones called that you know like comorans i think they're called i don't know whatever the they're really black birds and they just sit on this rock like by the hundreds and then you know it's full of full of crap that that rock so, so yes i saw a lot of <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so going back to Netherlands then. I, I, I mean, I would assume then, because you're German, right? Would you say that yes. yeah. living in the Netherlands is quite similar to living in Germany? Um, I mean, I haven't really lived in Germany for a long time, so it's hard to say, but it's, it's very much, I, I find it more relaxing because in Germany, you know, everyone's, it just feels like everyone's a little bit more stuck up and very adherent to the rules. You know, those stereotypes kind of, kind of ring true of, you know, being punctual and, you know, being a little bit uptight, no sense for humor. Like, I think that's kind of what I see in Germany as well. Um, whereas the Netherlands are, you know, more relaxed. Um, it, it might just be a city, but I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, you Germans are always so efficient. So how, I mean, maybe that's, that's why it's such a big difference. Yeah. It, it, I, I think it, I think it's just, you know, two different cultures. It's really hard to compare the two. Uh, I mean, size-wise as well. There's just a tons more people in Germany. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, is it, yeah. I I don't know what what else what else there's like different about the two. I think I wanna like I wanna touch on something. I think one of the reasons. I mean, apart from that, you're a pretty awesome guy. One of the reasons why I brought you in is because obviously now, I mean, you have the same sort of journey that most of us have right post uni life trying to find your way trying to find maybe a yeah, path forward absolutely yeah absolutely i'm still very much on the way um it was kind of it was kind of what i did was i did i finished university and then i did two internships in the summer and then i started this job in um late fall here in the netherlands and it was more, you know, it's really hard to tell what a job is really going to be like just from one interview. And obviously, you know, not everything that shines is always going to be gold. So um, this t- job turned out to be a little bit monotone. And then, you know, you're always, you're thinking, oh, you know, if I could have just waited or chosen a different job, but you kind of, end up having to live with your decisions of what you're doing and you just kind of try and find a way which is and you never know if it's going to be right or wrong um you just kind of end up trying to do something that you know hopefully brings you forward so yeah i'm still very much in the at the beginning of this journey of trying to figure out my way and where i want to end up and you know who i want to be as a person as well i mean we talk to a lot of people i mean about this as well and i think we've both been having sort of the same idea that a lot of people are struggling quite quite a lot after university right yeah especially in the beginning months i would say because a lot of people and i'm just talking from personal experience but what i i think i'm seeing is like that a lot of people bite off more than they can chew or they purposely um, throw themselves into the deep end by having to think, you know, you have to prove yourself. And then you're stuck in a different country, you know, with a new job. 
and it's just overwhelming. So I completely, you know, and yeah, a lot of people are struggling, um, just trying to find, just trying to find like, like we, we talked about like meaning and, and their way. And, you know, their first job isn't always going to be what it's, what it, what you imagine it, it was going to be. I don't know. Is it like the same for you? Yohan? Yeah, I think it is. And I think, but I think both of me, I mean, we've been drifting quite a lot in recent years. I mean, like you said, you haven't really lived in Germany and I haven't lived, I mean, I live in Sweden now, but I haven't lived there for the past 11 years. So, so coming back to Sweden yeah. was quite a shock. I mean, most of my pals are abroad. I mean, scattered across the globe, really. And obviously, I mean, a lot considering the people we've been talking with, I mean, they most likely all been students, not all of them maybe, but the, the majority of them have been students at the University of Aberdeen. So we've all been sort of in the same situation, going to a different country to study. And a lot of them didn't really move back to their home countries. And that, that in comparison to the people I met here in Stockholm, whereas, where most people have studied in a Swedish town with a lot of their friends from the same like cities and towns. And then they all sort of return back to yeah, Stockholm predominantly because that's where, I, that's where I've been talking to people about this. And that's obviously a huge difference doing that compared to going abroad and then moving maybe to a second country after the first country you went to, which is Aberdeen, that is. So I think, I think that for me personally has been yeah. maybe the biggest struggle. And I guess maybe you can relate to that as well. Absolutely, I can. Um, it's, you know, Netherlands is a different country to, to Sweden, but, you know, staying away for 11 years, you know, it, it, it changes, everything changes. And for me being, you know, going to the Netherlands, that's a new country. For you going back to Sweden, that's basically a new country or new, you know, everything's changed. And you just try and become part of society, really. You just, try, because, you know, back in Aberdeen, you were part of something and then now you're, now you're going and moving on to something else and you're not really part of anything yet. And you have to like, that's, I think that's the, the hardest thing to wrap your head around is that now you have to, put in a lot of effort to make those connections again and be part of the community and be part of society in your little town or, you know, wherever you end up, you know, it's so easy to, to just basically self isolate yourself when you go to a new, new place because one, you know, you're starting a new job, you start basically starting your career. I mean, for me, I start like I start my career here um so you know you think you're focusing and and then also the difference between university and, and them working is you're actually you know you have to be somewhere or you actually have to do your work in in a in a time frame from like eight till nine till five whatever you know your working hours are whereas at uni you could you could do it at 2 a.m if you wanted to or like on a sunday or or whatever and so that's like you plan basically you work around your social life whereas now it's the other way around it's you're, you plan your social life around your work and that's also sometimes hard to like get to grips with is that you know you're not really that much in control anymore 
Yeah, I think that's a very good point. But maybe we can just say that growing up freaking sucks <laughs> in the beginning anyway. And maybe, I mean, maybe it's gonna get, maybe yeah. it's gonna get better. But I don't think that no one, no one ever prepared me for this. No. Today I was thinking. Today something popped into my head, and it was just like, when you're an adult, you you have to make decisions. You make decisions on based on what sucks less, you know. It's like what what's gonna have the least negative impact on you it's like do i want to pay this or that or like how can i it's like it's like you're always making decisions on what's like you know not not really what's like best for you but like what's i mean what sucks the least and so <laughs> that's a pretty big change too <laughs> yeah maybe we come across as being highly negative here but i think this is important though because obviously i think as millennials maybe you're a gen Z even What's the difference? God knows. Again, I need someone to, I need someone in the background to, to be my, yes, that's to a, be my fact I think, checker. I think we're both, what's a boomer? A, you know, do you know what that yeah, is? Yeah, I think the boomers are born like late forties up until eight, like early eighties or something. <laughs> From forties till the eighties. That's a, quite no there was like there was like um there was like three different generations in between that period. oh yeah wait i think boomers maybe are like boomers are the ones going in retirement as we speak and i think after boomers we have gen x yeah but then i've read like gen z as well and then i don't know like i don't what's the generation now called i don't even know that i think I think Gen Z comes after millennials and before that is Gen X and then we have boomers. But I might be Adam Limmer. I frankly have no idea. All that hip lingo. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need I mean, I need to bring in a dude that can actually like sit on a computer and get these facts straight for me. Yeah. That'd be great, you know, your first employee. I mean I can cook some food for him. <laughs> I mean that's payment enough. That should be payment enough. But what was your what were you asking before? I mean we're talking about how it is to sort of like become an adult because I think back in the days and obviously not I mean I'm not going to say here and say that everything was better before, you know, back in the days it was so much better. But at least you no. had less options and you didn't have social media, you didn't have all these expectations of life, I would assume. Yeah. Now you can I guess from an early age, you, you go on social media, you go on YouTube, and you see like all these great lives that people portray. And, and also, I guess someone at some point told you, you can be whoever you want, and you can be anything you like. And who knows, that might be true, but it's like, it's still not as easy as you maybe thought it was. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely a lot harder than, than you think. But it's not all. It's not all doom and gloom. I mean, you make money. You can spend it on whatever you want. You can, you know, you can actually prove yourself, prove to yourself that you know, you're, you know, you're worth something. And I find, like, you know, at university, maybe I think you do that as well. But now you actually get paid for it, which is pretty nice. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't try to make this out to be something 
negative. I think life is one. I mean, life is fucking great. I mean, you 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 live, you breathe, you have a roof. I mean, top of your head, you have food, you have money, and you have options. But yeah, I, too many. But we have we have options. Yeah. But I do think a lot of people struggle despite all the good stuff we have. And it's also, I mean, I think it's also a case of, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. People are looking at, you know, you know, the social media stuff that you mentioned. You have all these different options that always seem better than the one you already have. And that might be true, but, you know, you can't change that within, you know, within a couple of seconds. So, so it's like, it's more about pre- appreciating what you have, which is a ton. We have so much um and then you know moving forward i think that's a big case of, of not trying to of not getting stuck in one place i definitely agree but i think it's very easy not to really think about your life and who you are and what you want to do and to just sit with yourself and think and reflect because there's so many distractions out there you can distract your mind like quite rapidly and yeah. If you if you really sit there for quite some time, you will start you will start to encounter a lot of noise. And for example, that when I started meditating, and after a few months, you under, you're starting to see that a lot of the same loops, I mean thought loops and patterns that occur are very similar to to one another. It's essentially the same sort of thoughts that you have like subconsciously every day. And it might change, and it might, yeah. sh- I mean, change out a little bit, but a lot of them are actually like very similar. But if you don't sit there with yourself, it's very hard to come across and recognize that you have these loops or patterns, as or however you want to call it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten that far yet with my meditation to be able to recognize that. But I mean, you just looking back, you, you always, you know. You get presented with opportunities, then you weigh them out and see which ones you like the best, and then you just go for it. And then, yeah, I mean, you just, yeah, I think it's just more about moving forward and trying to trying to make the best out of what you have. And I think what you just said as well, trying to be appreciative and like grateful, that's such a underrated aspect of one's development. And being how to be content to actually like feel some appreciation of the small things it's very hard obviously to do that sometimes but it's it's definitely worth exploring yeah i think what's helped me a lot was just being out because mostly where i'm staying uh, the the city it's it has great opportunities to go out into nature there's a national park nearby there's like um you know a river that runs through some of the nature parks um so it's i find that was one of the best things that helped me appreciate the the small things in life so if it was just a walk around uh along the river or if it's you know a cycle i think that's one of the main main tools i've used to be you know to be content with what i have but that doesn't mean I, I forget of what where I want to go. It just means that you know you you can't be frustrated with the things you have. 
Yeah, in a way, I mean, I think you always struck me as a guy that's quite that's that's quite wise beyond his years, and that have sort of found a way to really, really, really appreciate, like you said, the little small things like going out to the park, like or like take a bike ride. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm wise beyond my years, uh, but you know, there's just, you know, you have a tons of, tons of experiences. I've had a tons of, tons of experiences that I think have changed me for the better. And, you know, you're just grateful for what you've already done. And then, you know, and then everything kind of follows because you can't, you can't really stress too much about the future and you can't stress about the past because, you know, you can't change the past and you can only you can you can only be really present and that's you know that kind of comes from meditation a lot is that you see that you know in the present you know that's where you're truly truly appreciative and like living that's that's what that's where living is like in the moment have you ever read anything about stoicism yeah a bunch of stuff i've read meditations um and then just, you know, a lot of YouTube, uh, YouTube videos on stoicism, like Seneca and like, who else? I mean, Marcus Aurelius and like Seneca, like some of the big ones I know. Of. And I didn't know you read, I didn't know you read the meditation. What was your, what was your thought about that book? It's it's a tough one because there's so many I feel like you actually have to spend a lot of time with that book um to be to really get into the the, the actual nuggets of like wisdom. Uh, it takes, you know, and I just I just quickly read through it just to just to be able to say I read it. Uh but overall, I think, you know, for it's astonishing for someone to to be thinking this way. Uh, that was so influential and like, I mean, he was on top of the, the, the empire at the, at the time he was the, he was, yeah, he was the emperor. So, uh, for someone to, to say that in his position is, uh, you know, it's really remarkable. what do you think? I mean, I think that book is astonishing. Like you said, here we have, or here we had the most influential and powerful man in the known world back then. I mean, the Emperor Rome struggling with the same sort of things that we struggle with today. Essentially, writing those words to himself, right? And I feel like it's it's like his daily struggle to stay sane amidst all the chaos that he probably encountered on, on a daily basis. I mean, yeah, I think the, his main struggle was with power. He never wanted, like, even though he had all that power, he never wanted it to, for, for the power to consume him. And in a similar, in a similar way, we are offered with a lot of power opportunities, um, you know, influences on us. And we have the same struggle of being able to control them and not letting them consume us the same way he was worried about the power consuming him. He would have been appalled of uh, social media today, wouldn't he? I yeah, I don't know. I think, I think he would have definitely as a stoic. You know, he definitely would have been, you know, maybe not appalled, but you know, 
astonished at how people are letting themselves go through it. And, you know, it's really, it's really easy to say this stuff without, you know, being, you know, you're influenced by it every day anyway. So like, it's really easy to say that, you know, you shouldn't, or you should do this or you should do that regarding social media. But um, in the end, it was designed to do what it's doing right now. And to fight that, it, it, it takes a lot of willpower and it takes a lot of self-control. Yeah, I used to be, I used to be a person that, that shunned like Instagram. Oh, you, you shouldn't spend time on Instagram. It's just wasting your time, yada, yada, yada. But I come to realize that it's a great tool. I mean, social media is a great tool if you use it, if you know how you use it and why you use it, I think. But I'm not going to sit there and, and tell people how to live their lives or anything. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything else. I don't know things better than anyone else. I just took a personal choice to sort of leave Instagram because I realized that I was spending too much time and I didn't get any value from it. But I wouldn't, I mean, I might, I might reappear on that platform at some point, but hopefully I will be better able to manage my time and try to find value within the platform. Yeah, that's exactly my, I thought exactly the same thing. And I was, I definitely, I went off Instagram for a couple of months and, you know, I've only used, uh, what was it like Facebook messenger and like WhatsApp to just stay in contact with people. But I didn't use Facebook or I didn't use Instagram for, I think it was two months. And you definitely realize, first of all, how much time you waste or not waste, but spend on the app, uh, on the apps, but, and like how much, you know, not a lot of value gets added after a certain amount of time. I think, you know, the max time you should ever spend on Instagram is like maybe five minutes at a maximum in one sitting, because after those five minutes, you're not, you're not adding any value to yourself. I think in those first like couple of minutes, you see something inspiring or you see like whatever, whatever people you follow or, you know, whatever you're interested in and you see that and that inspires you to do something else or be more creative or, you know, go after that workout. But after those five minutes, you know, all you're doing is just looking at a bunch of random pictures. There's not much value added at that point. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would say I agree, definitely. So, I mean, but again, there's good and bad things with, with most stuff you do. But I think for me, one of the most interesting things I'm trying to apply to my life is trying to be more aware of why I'm doing things and try to be in tune with the emotions I attach to certain things and step away to become a rational person. Because obviously, we know, I don't think we are rational person people. I think we are. I think we are rational. I think obviously we are. We have a rational brain, but we're also very emotion driven. And I think meditation can definitely teach you a little bit how to not act upon those emotions. But obviously, that's easier said than done. Because I think it requires tremendous amount of meditation and self-control to really recognize your emotional state more often than you do. But just a tiny, tiny bit of a meditation has helped me tremendously to, I mean, for example, recognize my thought loops, to take a step back sometimes before I'm supposed to say something I shouldn't.
how long would you say after doing like meditation i think you said you said to me you do it almost daily uh how long did it take for you to recognize this or or was it more of a gradual learning experience i think it was definitely a gradual learning experience i would say i started meditation not the book but i started meditating uh march last year and i think i had my first sort of epiphany i think it was july the same year so roughly four months after yeah yeah i mean i mean we're so conditioned to all this input uh weighing in on us and telling us how to feel and uh telling us what to do that it's really it's really hard to get back down to the to to what you are your essence and like find and it has to do with like finding your way as well because if you don't know who you are truly then how can you find your path it's just going to be somebody else's path i think it's very true i met a guy i mean a few days ago and he had a pretty good i'm, I'm not saying i'm not going to say call it an analogy but he essentially said that he wanted to try to become a children like a, a a child a kid in certain situations because you know a child is quite not neutral but they haven't really been layered upon layered with information from so there's yeah. socialization through that innocent. right quite pure exactly quite pure yeah 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 it's tough yeah i mean but it's it's really tough to tap back into the your your child you know you it's so easy to forget when you know how you were as a child or how you behaved and all that so that's you know that's in itself seems quite like a challenge to you know in certain aspects to become back to to revert back to your child um to your years as a child i mean i would say the only times i've have sort of maybe tapped into my inner child for real probably has been through surfing you know when you're on that wave and like nothing else ceased to matters and also maybe when i've been been in the woods doing some psychedelia yeah yeah i mean i agree surfing definitely and you're just you're just in the water you're just doing your thing and like like you said nothing really else matters for that moment and also yeah that's what i that's what i went back to when i was saying about going out into the woods and stuff going out along walks and things you just start to appreciate you know you think you start thinking about how long has this river been flowing here how how many liters you know where's this water been all that stuff and you, you start thinking about it it's like how how lucky you are just to be part of that experience and then then you don't feel then all those different stressors just kind of flow away yeah in the river <laughs> <laughs> and you just yeah you just <laughs> just had to say that uh you know it's just yeah you just become like a child and you just look at things differently i think it's hard though it's not easy it, but it's almost when you're like for example when you're out in nature looking at the river or something it's almost like your brain understands that this is the way it should be it's almost like you're tapping back to something maybe like primordial or deep within you that, okay, this is normal. This is how it 
should be in terms of maybe going back to your evolution. And I guess that was how our ancestors saw the world, right? They saw nature. They didn't see all the other things that we yeah. tremendously have created, obviously. I mean, since the industrial revolution. Yeah, no, it, it's, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was like back in March, I had this fantastic idea of just going on like, uh, I think, I think I managed to do like 730, um, 37 kilometers walking. And when I was walking that and it took like four and a half hours or however long, it was, it was a long day of just walking. And I was just walking along the river and I was just thinking like, how many people have walked along this, this road or like this path before me? How many years does it, how many generations does it go back? And you're just like, this just feels part of what I'm supposed to do. Like, there wasn't really any purpose to it. It was just more like, yeah, this just feels natural. I mean, that's awesome that you said that because I had, a, I had an experience maybe six weeks ago. So I went to my summer house, which is located in a, yeah, in a forestry area of Sweden. And it's close to a big lake. So I was sitting there with a guy from the UK. And I mean, the scenery was just a postcard. It was so picturesque. I mean, it was so picturesque. It was ridiculous. And he has said to me, I mean, you should be so proud of being brought up and born in this country. And when I looked at, when I heard those words and I looked at the landscape, I just had this sort of like sensation within me, sort of, I don't know, it was almost like my inner Viking came out. <laughs> it was truly, I don't know, it was truly, I think it's a bit related to what you just said. I mean, it was, I don't know, it was, it was a very strange sensation, but it was pretty cool that, yeah, this is the land of my sort of my forefathers. And they... Yeah, you definitely just feel part of, part of like... I don't know. You just feel like you belong and there's no borders. There's no countries, there's no languages and there's no, there's no different cultures. You just feel like you just, just kind of belong. This is where I belong, you know, you know, out in nature. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a cool experience. Yeah. I guess I was thinking about my Swedish ancestors, but I mean, it, yeah, but I mean, same same thing but yeah different. i mean you know if you go back you know germany isn't that old so you can't really say um you know there was just tribes beforehand so if you go back to like your viking days i would have been you know whatever how many generations back it would have been just like uh berserkers or <laughs> crazy, you know I mean, you... Uh, it's just some tribes people so it, it, it'd be like the same area almost yeah but it's but I think I definitely agree with what you said as well. Like, it's like you belong out there in nature. It's like there's, it makes sense to be there. And I mean, if you do psychedelics at some point and you take it out in nature, I mean, you will feel that connection even stronger. And it's quite tremendous, I would say. It's sort of a very spiritual yeah, sort of experience. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, this I'm gonna. I think we should round up very soon. All right. I mean, it is your podcast. Uh, you do, you do, you just you tell me what to do. And I, mean, I must <laughs> say, I have I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation we had, and it turned out pretty much as I expected. Very organic and 
yeah, very organic. Well, yeah, I mean, same here. The pleasure was all on, all on my side. Uh, I enjoyed doing it, and I can only agree. It was, uh, you know, it just kind of flowed. It was, uh, it was just, it just felt natural. Perfect, man. So uh, yeah. I'm just gonna stop the recording. Take care, my man. Bye bye. And that was the end to the second episode of Everyday Discussions podcast. And I think the name is very accurate because essentially, and I feel it anyway, this podcast is just a conversation between two normal people about everyday stuff. And I think that's the message I really want to put forward of this podcast, that everyone has something to say and want to just talk about normal things because normal things can be very exciting and sometimes just very normal that's fine as well anyway i hope you enjoyed this one until next time bye